What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Casey Baugh is a 40-year-old investor, operator, board member, advisor, husband, and father of five. During his 13-year tenure at Vivint, Casey played a critical role in sales leadership, helping grow revenue from $30 million to $1 billion. Later, he co-founded and is managing partner of Sandlot Partners, a private investment firm that has deployed over $350 million since inception. Casey has also been involved in providing affordable housing to over 100,000 people while deploying $2.2 billion across 260-plus communities in 19 states. Casey's also the co-founder and co-owner of Green Light Restaurant Group, which invests in and helps build exceptional multi-unit franchise concepts like Cup Bop and select full-service restaurants, including Pizzeria 712, Station 22, Communal, Black Sheep Cafe, Five Star Barbecue, and Bandera Barbecue. He's also advised and invested in early stages of several successful operating companies like Pura Fragrances, Dental Intelligence, Diva Pay, and Breeze Airways. Casey is regularly sought out by young professionals and students for his ability to mentor and help them navigate and optimize their own career path and enjoys teaching entrepreneurship as an adjunct professor at BYU to undergrad students. I've personally known Casey since 2010 when I worked as an executive assistant at Vivint. And in the past couple of years, I noticed that each Sunday he would repost several people's Instagram stories tagging him in their Sunday planning sessions. I was super curious to know what his process was all about since so many people practice this and share it weekly. Casey graciously agreed to come on my podcast and share not only the process of his Sunday planning that he's taught over the years to so many people, but also the backstory of what led him to all of his success in life and some of the pitfalls that created the pathways to what he wouldn't have chosen for himself, but led to greater things that God had in store for him. Okay, Casey, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for making the time and being here. I can't wait to talk to you. It's been a long time. I haven't seen you probably since 2012 when I left Vivint. But I would love for anyone who isn't familiar with you, if you could just give a little background on who you are and what you've been up to and what people know you to be about. No, oh, great. So I'm a kind of entrepreneur. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I've got five kids. I mean, I, I teach up at BYU. I teach entrepreneurship up at BYU. We run a private investment firm called Sandlot with one of your friends, Dave Jensen. Me and him are partners on it and have a, a business that we really love right now. So those are kind of things that we're doing. I, I worked in the door-to-door industry for most of my career for 17 years. Wow. And just finished up three years ago. So Amazing. And it was like a like the most like unforeseen career. Never, never could have guessed it. Never could have anticipated it. And it, it was like the perfect, the perfect role for me. I, I was built for it, and I love. Yeah, it. one of those. Be careful what your first job is. It might be your last. <laughs> it might I, be I, forever. Yeah, just never yeah. anticipated it, and it was it was so great. I learned so much and got so many different life and business experiences and got super lucky. I was able to get with a company when it was small and see yeah. it all the way till it got really big and all the outcomes that come with that from 
taking private equity to going public to splitting off companies and taking those public and selling them and like all these complex finance things that like a kid from Cash Valley never would have dreamed of experiencing. So it was like this, yeah, just like this miracle that I'm so grateful for. That's amazing. Well, I would love to just just as some background context, talk about how you even got started in door to door sales. I mean, we're not going to talk about that the whole time. But just out of interest, like, where did you stumble into that? It's kind of you you have a need in life, you've got kind of a pain point. And then all of a sudden, this like inspiration comes from like solving this problem. I went on my mission to Oklahoma, and I, I got home and baseball was sports were everything to me. My, my yeah. world revolved around these when I was in high school. And even on my mission, I remember working, waking up early and working out every day and training to like be a college baseball player. And I went, went down to Utah Valley to play baseball. And that's the only reason that I would have ended up in Utah County. Okay. I got cut from the team and it was like oh, the wow. hardest experience. It like, there's few times in my life where I've just been crushed. And that was one of them that just crushed me. I remember driving up the canyon, just crying by myself. Like I was just broken. It's like this lesson in life that just life is happening for you and it's not happening to you. And sometimes like the the worst thing that you ever could have thought possible was the exact thing that you needed in your life. And it's actually like one of the things that inspires me so much about life now is just looking back and seeing like these failures. Yeah. But in the moment is the the worst thing that could have happened to you. And then realizing like that God had a plan and this had to happen. And if it didn't happen, I never would have kind of went where I needed to go. And I, I can think of four or five of those that are like really distinct failures that ended up being like the exact recipe, the exact thing that I needed. But that happened. And I met my wife. She was a college volleyball player. And then I realized I'm broke. (laughs) My parents didn't have, we had seven kids and they didn't have the means to go pay for college. And so that was all on us. And so all of a sudden this need pops up and this idea of going and knocking doors. If you would have told me what's the least, like most unappealing job that you could ever get and listen to (laughs) hundreds, I think knocking doors probably would have been like as close to anything. But all of a sudden it became the most appealing when I had this need of, hey, if I want to get married, I need to be able to provide and I don't have skills that I can provide. So I went out and I did it. It was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. I was selling satellites, but I made $50,000. This is close to 20 years ago now. And it changed my life. I, I remember the confidence that I had coming back from that experience. And there's the dean of Harvard Business School is a guy named Nitin Nori. And he was doing a podcast with kind of the senior leaders at Goldman Sachs. And they asked him this question about capitalism. They said, capitalism, it it gets kind of labeled as like destructive and selfish. And you guys at the Harvard Business School are teaching this. And what do you think about it? And the guy gave just this insightful answer. He just said, I understand those feedbacks and we just feel very different. He said, there's been over a billion people in the last 25 years that have been taken from poverty to middle class because of capitalism in developing nations. But then he said this one thing, and and it's always stuck with me. He said, the truest form of dignity 
that you can give to another human being is to teach them to be economically self-reliant. Wow. And my brain just exploded because I experienced it firsthand. I, I went from before this summer, I was scared. I was trying to get jobs and I didn't have any actionable skills that the market would pay me for. And at the end of the summer, I had this dignity and this confidence that if I can pay for my rent, I can pay for my school, I can provide for a family. And if things ever get hard in the future, I could go do another summer and do this again. And that kind of led to 17 years of that industry. And anyway, I'm really grateful for it. And honestly, everything that I do now, all the leadership fundamentals and public speaking and all of that is just kind of those skills I developed from being in that career in that industry. So really grateful for it. I loved it. That is so cool. What an awesome story. Well, I wanted to go back to something you said just a second ago when you said that you could think of three or four things that were failures that led to then the path that you needed to go on next. Yep. Are there any other stories that you could tell that would demonstrate that? I dated a girl in high school that I was just in love with. Mm-hmm. It was kind of my high school girlfriend. I went on my mission and she got married. I didn't like think, hey, we're, we're going to get married or whatever, but I did love her. It was like such a bummer. I was just like, oh man, like I didn't even like have the chance to go see if that was going to work out. Then I go home and I meet my wife. And now like when I look back and I see my family and like just this like beautiful creation of life that we have and this love that I have for my wife that's like, I think back to high school, like that wasn't love. Like I didn't even know what love was. Mm-hmm. Now I know what love is. And what if I would have got what I wanted? What if I would have like, you know, it's that Garth Brooks song of like yep. unanswered prayers. The first company that I worked with, that job that meant so much to me, in 2007, that company went bankrupt. It went out of business. Was it First Line Security? No, it was a company oh. called Atlas Marketing. Oh, okay. Yep. And and it was kind of the peak of like everybody. It's actually not that much different than like a year ago where everybody was making money. Everybody. Like you could, right. everywhere you looked, everybody was making money until they weren't. And <laughs> the music stopped and this company ended up going out of business. And all the reps that I'd recruited, and this is friends and family and the people that I cared about the most, they didn't have back ends to pay all my buddies and myself. Right. It, it was like the worst thing that could have happened to me. If you would have said like, hey, what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> go for three years and then go like build something that you're really proud of and do everything in your control. And then at the end, the company's decisions make it so that you and your friends don't get paid. And then they look at you yeah. and say, you led me here. And this didn't work out. So I lose credibility. And so it was, it was so painful. And at the same time, I had like $100,000 of like li- liquidity in like a really tough market. So I felt pretty good. I had a little nest egg at that time. And my boss came to me and said, Hey, do you still have that money? And I said, Yeah. He said, Well, you know, would you lend it to me? Oh. And, and this was like my mentor. When I thought about what I wanted to be when I grow up, he would be like the model. You know, he believed in me and trusted him. And I wrote him a check and he stole it from me. Wow. So like in the course of two months, this career that I built just went crashing to the ground, lost credibility with some of my best friends. 
the extra money that I had got stolen from me. And wow. like, and everybody's losing their jobs. So it wasn't yep. like, hey, just jump right into like the next big opportunity. And again, what's the worst thing that you could think would happen? It was that. Except for in my like immature self, for some reason, even when I was doing door to sales, I just always thought that I was better than that work. Like, I, I, I don't know where I got like this ego or this pride, but like that I was better than the work. Yeah. And that literally humbled me like you can't get humbled. But all of a sudden, my phone just started ringing. And it's one company saying, hey, will you come meet with us? We, we want you to come work with us. Then the next company, then the next company. And I realized like everybody's losing their job. And mm-hmm. I have offers, I've got bonuses, I've got people really actively wanting me to work with them because I do this career. Ended up meeting Todd. And ultimately, we decided to go work with Apex, which turned into Vivint. But I think back, I, it was a 17 years later, I think I, I made 30 or $40 million at Vivint over 17 years. I got equity in the company, made great commissions. I've never met a better investor than Todd. So I had this front row seat at just entrepreneurship and how to serve your community and I have this mentor in my life that to this day, I just hold him with such high esteem. And I wouldn't have got any of that if I would have, if the company that I was working with would have stayed in business. Like I never would have left. Like it was a good right. thing. We had a good thing going and I would have missed that window. So when I take like those three things of my wife, my girlfriend not working out and meeting my wife, and baseball not working out and finding sales. And then my sales career not working out and finding a company that ended up being like this really great foundational place in my career. The one last one that I would say that's very relevant, me and my wife, I try not to get emotional on this stuff. Me and my wife, we had three kids really easy just kind of really efficiently. We had three girls Mm -hmm. and then uh, we just couldn't have kids and we tried and, you know, we wanted to have a bigger family and I came from seven kids and just always kind of like had this dream of, and also I had three girls and I love my girls, but I always had like this dream of like, I'm going to have these boys. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, we, we start doing all the fertility stuff and we did IUI and IVF and none of it worked. And it got to like a breaking point where my wife, she's just getting her heart broken when it doesn't work out. And the hormones that she's pumping into herself, she's like a different human. Yeah. Like she's normally like so optimistic and happy and, and she's kind of pessimistic and down and depressed. And finally, we just said, we're done. Like we're, we have a beautiful family. We love our family. This isn't worth it. We'd never thought about adopting. and. We, my, my little sister adopted a boy and she was in Montana and she like, it happened really quick and the adoption was in Utah. So my wife ended up going to the hospital. My sister got super sick, like really sick. So you've got this newborn baby and my sister can't 
be with the baby because she's like bedridden. Wow. So my wife is like the mom for a week. And it was the first time where we realized like we could love another child as much as we love our own child. So we go down this road of adoption and it's just like the craziest journey. You know, we've adopted two little boys. You, you look back and you're like, life wouldn't have been complete without these little guys who love them so much. Everybody loves them. And we have like their birth moms that are in our families and all the drama and the <laughs> chaos that comes with that. And Texas birth mom, Chelsea ended up having the missionaries go out and meet them. And she ended up getting baptized. And I flew out there. Chelsea gave the talk and she asked me to baptize her. So it's like just these crazy journey experiences. Elder Stevenson did the ceiling for us and CJ. So we had kind of this experience with our family where we've got all of our friends and family in the room and we've got this little guy kind of, we, we were going to do it when he was younger, but then COVID hit and right. everything shut down. So when we ended up doing the ceiling with CJ, he was a couple of years old and he was crazy. And so <laughs> Yeah, I have a two-year-old boy, so I can imagine. So we're we're in the temple doing the ceiling, and he's just tearing the place up. He's like ripping stuff and running <laughs> around. And Gary or Elder Stevenson, my wife's nervous and anxious and not wanting. And he just said, he 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 just said, "This is perfect. Like this is exactly." how it's supposed to be. And it was like this chaos with this little kid that was like perfect chaos. And you just realize like, that's how life is. It's kind of, we want it to all be perfect all the time. And then you realize like, it can't be that way. But right. you get back and you realize like, it's how it had to be. So those are four or five experiences I've had where the exact thing that we wanted the least if we would have had our way, we would have chosen a different way. But then you can look back and say, it had to happen this way for it to work out. And I, I think that's where faith for me is is really important. And just having kind of this this belief that we're guided, that our, our lives are guided, that life is happening for us and not to us. And right. having that belief, you can kind of be more bold in your decision making and you can move forward more deliberately. I definitely have it. I'm, I've got a strong faith that like life is happening for us. What we need in our life, we're going to get it. And even if it's not what we ask for, and we just got to take it and move forward and not think yeah. of the past, but think about the future and be grateful even for the hardest times. Cause that's when we grow. We don't, in the good times, you don't grow that much. It's that, kind of coasting. Yeah. I don't seek out hard times, but that's where <laughs> I grow the most, grow the most when it's hard. So true. Well, what beautiful stories. Thank you so much for sharing those and the really personal details too. It just, that's really touching. And it's really interesting from my point of view also to zoom out and to have you tell me these progressions because my only association with you is at Vivint when I, I worked for the CFO. And so I would occasionally see you and it was like this group of, 
it kind of seemed like the cream of the crop, the most successful, those, I, I forget what exactly the term was that you were the leadership position that you were in, but those leaders, the like six to eight or whatever would kind of float in and out. And from an outsider's perspective, it is very easy to say like, well, he got lucky, like he got in earlier, you know what I mean? And and oh. kind of think like these people haven't made or that path was probably pretty easy for them because they got lucky or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to hear actually the backstory of how you ended up there. And especially when you were talking about 2007. So I worked for First Line Security. So I watched firsthand yeah. all of the rejected backends and all of that from an administrative side. And But it is so inspiring to hear you talk about how all of the no's led you to a better yes later on. So now I'd actually love to switch gears and talk about the thing that I see you tagged in every week which is a little bit the opposite of what we're talking about. We're like, hey, God leads you where you need to go. But I know that you are really big on planning and on you have this Sunday ritual. And I actually don't know anything about it other than I see these tags every week where people sit down and they plan their life out on Sundays and it's inspired by you. So I would love for you to teach me and and my audience what that's all about. I love it. So I would attribute 98% of everything I have in my life today, the life that I have, whether it's kind of the relationship that I have with my wife, my relationship that I have with my kids, any successes that I have in investments or with businesses, my physical health, kind of my personal progression and education that kind of go back to these habits or rituals that kind of started them on my mission you kind of had a plan to go plan on a weekly basis and prepare your week. And then I got deep into like all the literature from Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. And so much so, like he inspired me so much so that our third kid, I remember talking to my wife, I'm like, hey, I want to name our third kid Covey, whether it's a boy or a girl. And we had a little girl, so our little girl's named Covey. And, oh, and, I love that. But the the premise is that there's a law that governs everything and it's a law of two creations that all things were created spiritually first and then physically second you go back to the book of genesis and it talks about the spiritual creation and then a physical creation it just makes sense to us in you take a a really exceptional building think about the skyscraper in new york and then think about just showing up and winging it Versus getting the best engineers and the best architects and literally like planning every detail down to the last screw before you lift the shovel. And with a really, really good plan, you get exceptional physical outcomes. And with a fuzzy plan, you don't, you just kind of get what you get. So much of kind of the personal work that I do on a daily basis are just these rituals of getting crystal clear in my life of what's important. And then also, what are the outcomes that I want in my life? It's a weekly thing. And for me, it's a daily thing. Also, I started 
implementing it personally 20 years ago. And I taught kind of all my regions and stuff how to do it. And some people kept doing it and they keep tagging me in it every week. And so that's kind of where you'll get these tags. They're super random. Like, like I don't train on it. I don't like have anything. They just like stuff I did a long time ago that people keep doing it. And for some reason, I, I'll post my journal every Sunday and that's kind of happened. So I, I can get into the nitty gritty of what it consists of. It's, it's kind of a personal program that I've built over 20 years. It's adapted, but I think the the basic fundamentals is I'll wake up, I'll drink caffeine. So I'll get like awake. And for me, I have to, I have to wake up early because I've got kids. Yeah. Sunday morning, it's like 6am or earlier when it's quiet, when I've got some time and I'll go. And now I do a, a meditation every morning. I've got a Tony Robbins meditation that I do and it just gets gets clarity and it kind of consists of three things. It consists of kind of breathing and getting aware of just how I feel. It's going into kind of deep gratitude. So I'll think of three individual experiences that I was deeply grateful for and not really think about them, but actually step into them as if I'm living them. And it could be as, as, as significant as like a a sporting event that I played good and I was super proud or, or something as simple as like just when I'm putting my kid to bed and how grateful I am for that moment or whatever. And so I do the same meditation every day, but I actually go a lot of different, I go somewhere different every day so I can like keep the same template and it doesn't get old for me because all the experiences are kind of personally created. The next one is I'll, I'll go through and I'll just kind of think about people in my life that I want to just like send good vibes out to and I'll think about different people and just kind of send love to them. And it puts me in a really good kind of emotional state. And then the last one is I think about three goals or outcomes Mm -hmm. and I don't think about them. I I visualize as if they've happened and all that that's going to mean to my family and to myself and how I'm going to feel and just how excited we're going to be. And to go like live them before they actually happen. So that's kind of how I start it. And then I will write three questions. I've got a whiteboard and I'll write three questions and then I'll answer them. And the first question that I'll write is, who am I? Hmm. And the reason that I ask this question, all of us, when we're younger, we we have like screwed up views (laughs) of who we are as people. And they're just not true. But we have this software, whether there was abuse when we were younger, whether there was bullying, whether there was whatever it is, something happened when we're young and we logged that view of this is who I am. And some of them serve us really well and some of them don't serve us at all. Right. They actually sabotage us. We, we sabotage ourselves. And very rarely do we root those out and actually like be vulnerable enough to say like, I have an insecurity that I'm not smart enough or I'm not attractive enough or I'm not productive enough or whatever it is. And so I go through and I just like write who I am. And and it started out as 10 and now I'll list like 60. Wow. And, and these are just like, they're aspirational because it's who I want to be. But it's also who I am as my core. And so I'm happy. I'm a happy person. I'm optimistic. I'm passionate. I'm a force for good. I'm a force for God. 
I'm decisive. I'm absolutely certain. I'm abundant. I'm authentic. I'm spontaneous. I'm silly. I'm, and I just go through kind of all these things of who I want to be. And obviously leave out, I'm fearful. I'm indecisive. <laughs> I'm, yeah unattract it's the opposite of those things and go try to like really wire myself and my subconscious brain to have a good view of myself and and i just i can't overstate how important it's been for me all of us kind of go through this imposter syndrome at every level of growth that you have what got us to that point doesn't allow us to go to the next point we kind of like we have this temperature of, hey, I've had enough success, but too much gets me scared. So I sabotage. Right. But you know, all of us have like a standard that if we're under that, we really hustle to get up to it. And if we get too high, then we like self-sabotage ourselves because we get scared. Right. The point is to like, when it's not emotional and when it's quiet, to really imprint on my subconscious mind who I am and how I show up. So that's the first one. I love that. The second question that I'll ask and answer is what gets me excited? Mm. And I'll list out just the stuff that lights me up. And it could be I've got a deer hunt coming up that just <laughs> be so excited. It could be college football seasons coming up. It could be a fun date that I've got with my wife or a fun weekend. It could be a trip that my family's taken. It could be anything. But going through and putting these things top of mind, and I'll list 30 of these things. And what it does is Brian Tracy has a quote. He's a real famous kind of sales leader, sales trainer. Yep. And he has a quote that said, just thinking about your goals gets you excited. Going through this process of just visualizing what lights me up and being aware of it, that when those things come in your life, you see them. And and you can enjoy them and be grateful for them. But like, this is like going to sleep gets me excited. If I get to sleep by nine <laughs> o'clock, happy. And then the opportunity shows up and you're like, man, this is great. Being the creator of your life instead of being a victim and just kind of living in the process. And then the last one is what are my biggest opportunities? So Peter Drucker, he's a real famous management kind of, he's kind of known as the father of modern management theory. He's a Jewish guy, grew up in the 1950s, kind of post-Holocaust and ended up kind of revolutionizing the way that we think about management. But he has a quote or a book, a lot of books, but he has a book called The Effective Executive. Real short book, phenomenal book uh, if you're building a business. But one of the things that he says in The Effective Executive is the effective executive focuses the majority of their time on opportunities hmm. and starves problems. And in our life, we have chaos all over. Yes. And it ends up stealing from us the time and energy that we can invest into opportunities. A different way to describe it, Stephen Covey talks about the different productivity quadrants. And you've got right. four. You've got quadrant one that's urgent and important. And this is just your, your kid falls and breaks their leg. You have to get them help. It's urgent and it's important. 
And there's a lot of that stuff that we just have to act. It kind of throws off our schedule. We have to act. The second one is not urgent, but important. And this this is where opportunities fall. Quadrant two is where the most successful people that I know, they spend more time in quadrant two. If you were to take a, a pie chart of their time and where they actually spend it in quadrant two. And then there's quadrant three, which is not not urgent and important. And that quadrant is the thief of <laughs> it's the thief of happiness. It's the thief of productivity. Right. It, it's fraudulent because this is social media. This is a text. This is Netflix. Oh, this is Netflix. This <laughs> and sometimes Netflix can be quadrant two. If you're just saying this isn't urgent, but I, me and my wife are going to go just binge watch a series as a date. Like that's actually like a great, not urgent, important. We're going to go spend time together. Checks the box. Right. But when it's I'm stealing from what's important to do stuff that's not important. And the stuff that's urgent is just somebody says, hey, can you come help me with this? Or, hey, can you come do this? And you end up, you have to do it right that minute. It was meaningless. You really didn't have to do it. And then the one that's just waste is not urgent, not important. This is like Netflix for 12 hours. Endless scrolling. Yeah, endless scrolling. It's like you don't have to do it and it doesn't matter. And so you really got to be deliberate on where you spend your time. And the only way that you can get good at deciding, should I say yes or should I say no, is if you get really clear on what's important. So when I answer that question, I'll list out the different categories of my life. I think there's six, seven things that matter in life. You've got your physical health. You've got your financial health. You've got your relationship with God. You've got your relationship with family. You've got your profession. You've got your relationship in the community. There's probably one or two more, but there's not that many things that actually matter. Everything else is kind of a subset. Right. It's taking those categories and saying, I want to make sure that I have answered the question, what is my biggest opportunity in this category? And then be able to say yes when those things pop up. I do those things on Sunday morning and then I have a journal and I'll write a one-page summary of the previous week. Oh, that's cool. I could go back 20 years and you could say, hey, hey, March 17th, 2014, what were you doing? And I could pull out the journal and I could tell you what happened that week. Wow. And, And it's actually like, humbling and exciting to go back and read those sometimes because you just realize I've grown a lot. Right. My level of thinking and my view of the world was just limited at that point. And you see yourself progress over time. So I'll write a summary, a one-page summary of my plan from the previous week, the good, the bad, the ugly. How did I, me and my wife went on a date this week. I did this deal. I worked out five times. I just listed off kind of all the things that were on my planner that I can come up, but it's not like a big elaborate thing. It's got to fit on one page. And then I'll list out my roles, dad, husband, professional, whatever I hats I wear. And then I'll set two to three goals in each one of those roles. And then I take those and just put them into my schedule. And the the principle is 80% of your activities 
come or 80% of your results come from 20% of your activities. Truth. There's a story of the big rocks. It's a science class and you've got a science teacher and he's got these big rocks and then he's got these smaller pebbles and then he's got this sand and he's got this water and it all has to fit into a container. So he has all the different science groups, you know, working to put the ingredients in. And what happens is they're the only way to make it work is if you start with the big rocks mm-hmm. and then put the littler rocks and then you put the sand and then you put the water. If you put the water first, it overflows. If you put the sand first, it doesn't doesn't fit. And the point is our most important things can never be at the mercy of our least important things. And by not identifying this is my 20%, many times we sacrifice what's most important for what's least important. That's so true. It's just kind of having a process or a habit or a system that I can do that on a weekly basis of saying, as a husband, what's the three things that I can do this week that are the most important? Like me and my wife can go on a date. We intimacy, let's make it a priority Mm -hmm. this week. Let's whatever, whatever it is, like what is the thing that is the most important for our relationship? And I put it on paper. And then the second one is an athlete. That's my title that I have for physical. What is the most important thing? I could ride my Peloton every day. I could do yoga. I cold plunge now. Oh, (laughs) put these things in my schedule. And as a, an owner, a sandlot, what's the most important things as a, disciple of Christ, what's my most important things? And I list two or three. And the the whole principle is you don't need to be perfect, perfectly efficient. You can actually be extremely inefficient, tons of waste in your schedule and be wildly effective if you schedule the right stuff. Hmm. And even like the feedback is that we over schedule significantly. Yeah, I agree with that. So Peter Drucker, his thing is four executives, they should leave at least half of your schedule unscheduled. So 50%, because that's what all the magic happens in spontaneity. Like when someone needs to talk and they have a problem, they don't need 26 minutes or 10 minutes. They need as long as it takes to fix the problem. When you're thinking about things you think about, I'm going to be effective with people and efficient with things. Never be efficient with people. And effectiveness is it could be one hour, it could be three hours, it could be all day. You could literally, if your kid needs you, you clear everything. And your spouse needs you. That The right thing to do that day may be just cancel everything. Right. But if we're like so tight on our schedule, we, we're like bound by this and we end up not being great with people. So I try to like keep the big rocks to a minimum and keep my schedule as open as possible so that I can be really spontaneous and live like a free, fun life. That's it. And then I'll put it in my schedule on my, I have a, a notes thing on my phone that I kind of write all that stuff out. Then I'll schedule it into my calendar and then I go. And 
repeat and repeat and I've repeated it for a lot of years and can honestly say like my physical health, I got into golf, I got into hunting. Like these are things I never would have got into except for at some point said, I'm going to set a goal and go put habits and rituals in place to go support that goal and starting a business, investments. It's creating it once in your head and then once in the physical world. That is a cool concept. Yeah, the really important ones are like, I want to stay married. Right. I want to keep a good relationship with God. And you, you have to be deliberate. Like those, they don't happen by accident. 50% of marriages fail. So it's like nothing. If you just live life, you're going to have an average life. And for me, I don't want to have an average life. I want to have an exceptional life. I want an outstanding life. But to do that, you have to do things different than most people are doing. So well said. Well, that is such an incredible process. And I can't wait to try it this week and sit down on Sunday and do as many of these things as I can and see how it goes. So my last question for you, Casey, is if there's one message that you want the people listening to this episode to remember, what do you want that one message to be? Yeah, that's a good question. When I think about like what's important to me and kind of what lights me up and what makes me happy, getting things doesn't make you happy. When you're growing and when you're giving or serving, that's what brings happiness. I try to implement that into my plan. Like the things are awesome. I love nice things. But what I've realized over time is the journey is an end in and of itself. And when I'm growing and when I feel like I'm progressing, that's when I'm the happiest. And also when I'm not internal, but when I'm external and thinking about how to light other people up, that's where I'm the happiest. And so I try to implement those two things in my life as kind of priorities to say, I want to grow with my body. I want to be a little bit healthier this week than I was last week. I want to grow with my relationship with God. I want to have a little bit better relationship this week than last week. In my marriage, I'm going to go put in effort that we're a little bit closer. And it's 1%, it's 2%. But in all those categories, and when I do that, I feel really happy. I feel like I'm progressing. And then the second one is figuring out how to like pour myself into others. And so like when you asked me to do this podcast, I've decided a long time ago, if there's an opportunity to serve, to give, to add value, then that's a yes for me every time I can say yes. It's not convenient for me today to do this. I'm rescheduling a lot of other stuff, but I'm trying to say yes to the things that make me happy and like are more aligned with like what I think my purpose in life is. Right. To say no to the stuff that's could be good, but it's not as high of a priority. And so I think if you're saying, hey, what's the message? It'd be to serve. And I'll give like your audience a challenge. So this is one that I adopted. It was a couple of years ago and it's changed my life. Finances are better now than they were a long time ago. So the number, the numbers are real irrelevant. But for me, I'll have kind of a bag with hundred dollar bills at all times. And I deliberately on a daily basis look for opportunities to light somebody's day up. And 
DoorDash is like my go-to because mm-hmm. anybody that is delivering DoorDash, it's because they're hustling. They yeah. really have a need in their life and they're willing to work nights and weekends and whenever to go make a little bit extra money to get by. And so that that one's one that's just automatic for me. But I could give you a hundred experiences that I've had over the last couple of years where I didn't want to do it, wasn't feeling really abundant and order DoorDash. And I have this reminder, go give them a hundred bucks. And I get up and I go meet the person when they're coming in and I give them a tip and I tell them, thank you. And I can't tell you how many times that person breaks down and starts crying or that person just says like, this is like, I can't tell you how much this means, but it just lights me up. It's kind of like this like little system that gives me this dopamine hit that like I'm listening to kind of that voice and I'm responding to it. So the challenge I'd give to everybody is this holiday season get a number that hurts a little bit. So like if $20 stings to give it away, then get that number. If that doesn't sting, get a hundred bucks per day. Whatever the number is that it's less, it it stretches you. Mm. And then on a daily basis, look for somebody that they need it more than you do. And I'm telling you, it will make your holiday season. You You will have experiences with your kids and yourself and you'll just feel abundant and you'll feel more in tune and my personal experience my personal belief and this obviously isn't why you do it but what you give it comes back to you tenfold i agree you receive this abundance in such disproportionate amounts than what you give out and i've just experienced it in my life i've just experienced abundance and the most successful happy people i know are also the the most generous and the most giving and so that'd be my challenge to everybody over the holiday is get that number go get the money in advance so it's easy and find reasons to do it i'm telling you it'll it'll light you up it's been something that lights me up on a daily basis i love that Casey, thanks so much for all of these really incredible experiences and wisdom that you've shared with everybody. Where can people find you if they want to? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> the only time I ever share it is when people come ask me to share it. So, okay. but I'm, I'm sure there's some stuff online, but I, yeah, I don't do this stuff professionally. This is just kind of little gems I picked up along the way. So they, they can find me on your podcast. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you again. I really, really appreciate your time and hope you guys have a really wonderful holiday season. Hey, happy holidays. So good seeing you. you. Congrats on your success. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. Oh, 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 oh,